You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 94, for Monday the 18th of December 2017. My guest today is Dan Van Oss, who is a book cover designer and a self-published author. I met Dan online because he put together the cover for my latest book, Deleted, and it turned out by coincidence that he also listens to the show. He started writing during college, where he also penned a weekly column in the school paper under the pseudonym Fletcher Ford. Dan's had pieces published on humorwriters.org, won second place in the Mona Schreiber Prize for Humorous Fiction and Nonfiction, was a semi-finalist in the humorpress.com writing contest, and he was given an honourable mention in the Soul Making Keats Literary Competition for Humour. I also discovered something that I hadn't realised about Dan about two-thirds of the way through the interview. It's absolutely fascinating and it makes the interview take a turn. I'll keep you guessing about that. When we caught up for the podcast, though, I started by asking Dan which came first for him, the love of writing or the flair for design work? I'm going to say both because I think back to like grade school here in the States. Uh, I remember writing plays in fourth grade, but also doing a fair amount of art then too. So um, I'm, I'm going to say both, but probably the artistic part of it uh, is probably been a little bit stronger until the recent years when I decided to jump back into writing again. So were you always then, as a child, a, a drawer, a scribbler, a maker? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and a reader. I remember reading a whole lot when I was a kid, uh, loving books. And that's probably pretty standard for most authors as well as just creative people. They love to to read and, and draw stuff in. So, um yeah, I think I think pretty creative. I did take a lot of uh, more advanced art classes. My parents were very good about that, um, and just kind of encouraging that aspect of my life in school, so forth. In terms of art, then, was there a particular a style? Was there a particular type of artwork that that grabbed you early on, or were you a, a generalist? Pretty much, pretty much general. Um, not a specific style. I do tend to, well, having read a lot of science fiction uh, when I was a kid, I do tend to kind of gravitate to more of that, which kind of shows up in covers these days where I do lean more graphic design-wise towards uh, science fiction. And I also, I tend to get a little bit, I'm going to use the word busy in a lot of the stuff that I do. I don't tend to be very minimalist. Um, so for some reason, I just kind of like the more of a collage style, uh, which doesn't always lend itself well to book covers, but it does as far as getting more of a grungy style than I, than more of a clean minimalistic style. And that, that usually comes across in the covers too. If I ever have any complaints, it's, it's usually, can you tone down maybe this or tone down the grunge? And so, um, that's just kind of the style I tend to go go to for some reason. And what about the writing? I think many of us as uh, youngsters tend to write, but then for some 
youngsters it's knocked out of them by school but some just <laughs> yeah. keep pushing through don't they you obviously kept pushing through I did. I did take some uh, some courses in uh, college, actually, and I had a very good writing teacher, although he was one of these uh, teachers that you either loved or you hated, because when you would write a piece, the first time he would read it, you would bring it into his office, he would stand at this podium, I can still see this, and he would stand there with his red pencil, and for the first time he would read it, he would go through it while you watched him read it, and he would be crossing out lines and writing in uh, things like Deadwood and uh, circling things. So if you couldn't handle being critiqued and being edited, uh, usually you ran screaming from that office. But I, for some reason I kind of stuck with it, and it was a good experience because it kind of helps you to distance yourself from the preciousness of writing, which we can sometimes get into where it's like uh, every word that you write is, is the ultimate and you can't go back and change things. It, it, it uh, I don't know, for me it was a good experience. And um, from there I did do some more writing after college, but not, not very much until recently, until about the last three or so years. Now, the inevitable always comes that we do these mm. things as children and then you realize that you're going to have to get a job and make, <laughs> make a living. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> reality comes in. So uh, oh, yeah. uh, with, with all this um, creativity f- flying around then, when you became an adult, ha- where were you going in terms of work? Well, in some ways I'm still waiting to become an adult, but... Uh, I know the, the feeling. Yeah. Worse, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, as far as work, and then I went on to, uh, for college and I actually got a music degree, which, um, after I got my master's in that, I went straight away to working in a bakery. So that kind of showed you the, showed you the value of that degree. But, um, I eventually, uh, began working, um, actually working with music and music education through a local music store here. And, uh, like a lot of people in the computer age kind of started to pick up graphic design as it came along. And it was through that job that I started to um, do more graphic design for advertisements for the company and eventually uh, did a lot of layout uh, for their larger music catalog. And so it was kind of on to job training, which is pretty standard for a lot of people. I think it's um, I did not go to school for graphic design at that time when I went to college. There really wasn't anything for that. So Now, I'm thinking that with adverts, this is really good training, actually, for when you become yeah. an author, because ads, you've got to distill something, uh, you know, quite a broad idea um, sure. in, in, in a single image or a single message a lot of the time. So what did you get out of that experience? Uh, actually, that's it's great when it comes to both working on your copy editing for your book description, which is important. But then also uh, for book cover design, uh, it's it's pretty well known that your cover is there to try to sell the book. And just like an advertisement, you've got one or two seconds maybe to make an impression sometimes or to grab somebody's eyes. And um, so you do learn to try to distill things down uh, to their basics and to try to get your message across as, as simply as possible. And that's, that's a pretty large challenge, um, which is why people that write uh, copy editing and book descriptions, they earn their keep because it's a, it's a, it's a great skill, but it's something that takes a while to manage and, and to learn well. I do have to ask you just a little question about whether you were a good baker or not. How did that go? 
<laughs> actually, <laughs> I did not do the baking. That's a good question. I did not do the baking. Actually, uh, I drove a, a delivery truck, uh, more or less is what it would be, to the local factories. And uh, when they'd have their breaks, they'd come out and I'd sell them their donuts and their sandwiches. And the hours were terrible, but it was a job. So <laughs> fortunately, moved on from that. Well, there's a good reason for me asking that question because I um, it struck me that when you said that, that you were – uh, like a fish out of water you know you do it you're very very um, creative it seems to me you like to create and then and then you sure. had this uh, I, I guess what people would call a, a day job something you had to do to pay the bills um yeah. was that something you um wanted to get out of pretty quickly yeah i mean i remember i do remember starting that job it was two years just got a master's degree in music uh music composition and uh, I remember starting that job and just thinking, where in the world am I? And it was just kind of a, it was kind of a sinking feeling. I mean, I should have been, in retrospect, probably been a little bit more, bit a little more practical with my my college education. But um, at the time, like we have girls now that are going through college, and they're very, the colleges are very uh, specific on job finding. They want to make sure you find a job afterwards. And when I was going, you could get a philosophy major, and they wouldn't care. It'd be like that's terrific. Do whatever you want. So I didn't really train myself for a practical job afterwards, but it is, it is a challenge if you are creative, whether it's writing or drawing or music or whatever it is, obviously there aren't as many jobs for that as there are for computer science or medicine and so forth. So, um, it can take a while to try to marry those two things together. In some ways, like doing book cover design is an example um, you're able to be very creative, but you're also fulfilling a pretty a pretty basic need. Um, you're not just selling um, artwork or trying to sell it in a gallery. You're actually creating it for, um, in a sense, like advertising. You're trying to get someone's book to sell better or to, to represent what their book is about. Having set yourself then on the right kind of course for you with the with the advertising and the the design that you were doing, how long did you stay with that? Did you make a full career out of that? Uh, let's see. So working with the music company, I did segue from the sales floor and then into the marketing department, and that that was probably about eight or ten years uh, doing that. Lots of on the job training, and then uh, from there, I actually. Uh, left that job and went to work to do, and I was also picking up website design and uh, website management for that uh, music store. And so from there, I went to work at a local church for about uh, nine years and doing similar things there and learning a little bit more about graphic design. Um, there were a lot more uh, design needs for, say, a series where you're, it was a little bit more closely uh, oriented towards book cover design, where you're trying to represent something in a in a graphic way, kind of a feeling or so forth in a graphic way. So it was a little bit more oriented toward book covers at that job. And then I uh, left that job to be self-employed um, about a year and a half ago, June of 2016. So um, it's just a long process. Like most people, I think there's lots of on-the-job training um, but you do have to be self-motivated to kind of push forward and see where your skills lie. 
So self-employment, the big jump yes. into self-employment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to dig into this a little bit. So why? Okay. what made you want to go self-employed? Because that's, that's a big jump. You've just alluded to the fact that you've got um, young people in your life who are going uh, through college yeah. and things like that. So um, you and I are probably about the same sort of life stage where it's quite a scary thing to, to do that. You've got a lot of commitments. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, part of it was just... Uh, wanting a change in the job that I was in. Um, and part of it coincided as well with the writing that I was starting to do, picking that up again around 2015. Um, and actually, uh, going self-employed, I was intending to spend more time working on writing than I was the book cover design. Um, the book cover design started about, uh, July of 2016, and that was intended to be more of a, uh, short-term income. So you've already mentioned that, uh, books can be very long-term income oriented. You write a book now, it can be something that brings you income for 20, 30 years, the rest of your life. Um, but while you wait for that, because writing a book does take a, a lot of time or can, um, I was trying to be responsible and uh, generate some income for short term. So that's kind of how the book design part kicked off. And um, so both are kind of going in conjunction now. And um, it is a step. It's a, you know, it's like any business. If you start, start a bakery, for example, you do have to have a fair amount of uh uh, capital to generate or to invest into that. And fortunately for book covers and for writing, it's not quite as heavy of an, of an investment because if you've got a computer and some time, you can, you can do a fair amount, but there still is that, um, sense of, I need to start generating some income here for the family. And fortunately my, my, my wife works as well. So there was that, and that definitely helps a lot. So but yeah, it's a um, it's one of those things where it's kind of like you just don't know what's going to happen. But for a lot of people as well, I think, especially when they get into their, their later years, um, they just kind of need to see if they can do it. And as a creative person, to be able to try to generate income using my creative skills, that was a, a very big goal. And I think so far things have been going pretty well. Good. That's delightful. Delightful to hear. Um, yeah. What made you then uh, return to writing in 2015? What made you pick up the pen or however you do your writing and say, "I'm yeah. going to crack at this again." It's interesting. It's like um, the best that I can recall was like thinking, you know, I used to do writing in college, and I was, I thought I was pretty good. Let's see if we can't just do that again for something fun to do. And I and I initially started writing of all things, humor, um, kind of along the lines of Dave Barry, and uh, he's a well-known American columnist, and just kind of short pieces. And uh, then I was eventually thinking, well, is there a possibility of selling and selling the writing, putting a book together, just kind of investigating that. And the first book that really um, clicked for me was the Johnny Truett and Sean Platt's uh, Write, Publish, Repeat. And that kind of turned on the light bulb that there you can self-publish and actually make some money at it. And so after reading that, I kind of started to pursue the self-publishing route for uh, about a year and a half with the humor books, not realizing that there's no market for that. 
Um, in retrospect, it was probably not the, it was probably about the worst market I could probably go for, but you know, you live and you learn. And, um, and then it was, uh, probably early 2016, I was, uh, online chatting with a gentleman named Richard Moy, who is a romantic comedy writer. And he mentioned to another person who was writing humor, why don't you try writing romantic comedies? Because he's done very well with that. And I thought, well, yeah, I mean, it makes more sense that you can have a bigger uh, audience if you're writing fiction, if you're writing stories, because that's what they really want to read. So I kind of switched gears and, of all things, began writing uh, romantic comedies um, around early, actually it was late, uh, early 2016. And since then I've written three, just had the third one come out uh, last uh, September. Are you writing those under a different name then? Because they're not coming up under Dan Van Oss. They aren't. They're under DJ Van Oss. Oh, now then. This being, is, yeah, being very big, sly. Yeah, big hole in my research. <laughs> Hang on now. So yeah. DJ. Right, okay. So uh, yeah. this is, I've got to get this up on the screen, you see, because uh, you've caught you've caught me here. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and look at those covers. Yeah. Oh, fan- Who did now, those covers, I wonder? Well, yes, but they're completely <laughs> different. So if we – okay, now, this is <laughs> this is very interesting. Now, it's suddenly taken a plot twist, so yes. this interview. <laughs> I didn't know you did this at all. No problem. So um, I, I've gone from – let's just flip between the pages. So what I was looking at in terms of my show prep for you was the, the humorous books, which yes. are um, – they, they seem to be kind of – are they based on uh, facts and things like that? And um, the music, right? They were, screen? yeah, they were um, essentially based on. I can't remember. I was starting to just write on various things like, uh, you know, dogs or whatever, funny things about dogs, let's say. And then it kind of moved into, you know, let's try to refine what this is about. And it became more looking at things like uh, holidays or inventions. And then, uh, kind of describing them in history but only from a humorous way so it's kind of hard to describe but they're it's kind of semi-factual trying to be funny and when you're doing humor one thing that you'll realize is that either people will love it or they'll hate it so you're just going to be a a great spread of one star to five star reviews and uh lots of this guy thinks he's funny and others are like this is brilliant and so um, which is why you end up getting like three and a half star review averages a lot of the times on Amazon. So, but yeah, that was, that was the humor attempt. There were through two books in that, uh, uh, dubious knowledge series, which was the, um, the trivial kind of humor. And then, uh, I attempted three books, uh, kind of geared towards guys about sports and shopping and home improvement. So, but they all tanked. <laughs> uh, re- really? So by tanked, do you mean, you know, just really didn't do very much at all? They just did not. I actually got a book bub for one of the three guy books. Um, that's been probably about a year. Actually, I think I did it for, for free. And it it, uh, it did really well, but there was just no read through. There was no follow up for the other two books. So, um I really do think it's just, and I've talked to other people about this as well, other writers who have attempted this, and it, it really is just a market thing. It's a genre thing. Um, and they're just hard to market because there aren't, the people that are selling humor are usually people that have a pre-made base, like uh, comedians, 
or um, or like Amy Poehler, other people that have already have careers, so they already have a fan base. There aren't too many that are just building it up from the ground. So it, if you're doing humorous things, it usually works better to try to incorporate that into stories, uh, which is what I've tried to do with uh, the romantic comedies. Um, top covers, though, by the way, on that series of books. I know they didn't work for you, but they look yeah, like a real yeah. classy set of books. Yeah, they they were really fun to do, actually. I, I'm, I, uh, I'm kind of proud of those covers. I think they worked out pretty well. They have kind of a general theme. And so, yeah, that was fun to do. So I'm... That's just the way it is. From a business standpoint, you look at it, you learn, and you move on. And and uh, so that's just the way it rolls sometimes. Right. So let's move on to uh, your alter ego that I didn't know. Yeah. This is fascinating. So- <laughs> <laughs> More full surprises. This is great. Yeah. So um, the covers I'm now looking at uh, have DJ Vanoss on there. So we've gone for yeah. the, is this a man, is this a woman? It lo- looks like you're going more for female, are you? Or... or- you going for that kind of slice right. of hand? Right. It, it, it's kind of interesting that um, the general uh, consensus is that if you're going to write a romance, you come up with a generic either initial name or, um, I don't know, I can't think of a generic uh, surname or prename. But so, yeah, I used my initials for that. Um, in retrospect, I probably should have just done a totally different um a pen name for that. Not that I'm embarrassed of my name, but it's just not the ideal kind of romance name, but there it is. So we're going to stick with that. So yeah, it was, it's more a matter of, I don't really hide the fact. In fact, in some ways um, I am still considering trying to promote more of the kind of, Hey, a guy wrote this uh, type of, of um, lead line for some of my advertisements, because I think sometimes um, it's like if not so much these days anymore, but in the early days of like science fiction, uh, if you're a woman and you're writing sci-fi, you probably would get either ridiculed or you wouldn't be read or whatever. And there's no really good reason for that. So, um, likewise now, I think, um, if you're a guy writing romance, I've had a lot of great reviews and there are probably 99% women, which is fine, but they, they appreciate the writing and, I have a very good uh, editor who uh, really helps me with the the female side of things sometimes in the stories. But uh, she's already suggested that I write I, my scenes with guys are very good, and which hopefully would make sense why that is. So I think it kind of brings a different perspective to the story. But um, but yeah, sometimes you that was that was basically a promotional thing. I didn't want to have a, a, a male name on the front, but wasn't trying to fool anybody, but there you go. I, I make no bones about it on the website that I'm a guy. I'm a, you can see my bald picture there if you want. So <laughs> I can't tell you how excited I am to have discovered this about you. So <laughs> it's just well, I'm glad. <laughs> no, this is brilliant. So um, three books said: "Call It Chemistry," "Driving Miss Crazy," and "Right by Your Side." And yes. you've got lovely, um, you know, clean-cut, fresh-faced couples, and it's sweet romance i've never spoken to a sweet romance um yeah. author before and and you're a guy and, and, and i'm a and, guy and you've moved from writing books that are guy books so you, which makes this even better yeah <laughs> isn't that though <laughs> yeah it, it was a definite um it was a definite jump and it, half of it was uh to be honest a business move like if i'm gonna make it in writing i need to obviously romance is a huge market 
Um, I didn't have a lot of experience with it, but I had some, and I've since read some really good books um, by some very good romance authors. Not, I mean, if they weren't writing in romance, I would probably still read them because they're such good writers. So, um, and I have, as I said, a really good editor who helped me a, a whole lot with the first book, uh, working out the tropes and me probably shouldn't do this. And she still does. She still will say things in some of my notes, like you might consider doing this and consider doing that just to make sure we hit all these points. So, um, it's uh it's been a learning process, but it's actually been pretty enjoyable because I do like a lot of the old um, 40s and 50s movies, Cary Grant, screwball comedies, things like that. And there are a lot of readers out there who really uh, appreciate the clean romances. Uh, they will specifically say in a review like this is a clean romance and so nice to read this with all of, all this, you know, whatever they don't appreciate. So um I think that you can still have the essence of that romance without all the physical stuff. And, uh, and there are a lot of readers that, that feel the same way too. So it's been, it's been a great experience and definitely a learning experience, but I think they're good books. I really, um, I really think that they hold together well. And I think that kind of the guy perspective does keep things a little fresher for some people because there are a lot of books out there that are kind of the same billionaire stuff, this and that. And I just, I just don't find that interesting. So I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to ride the balance between the happily ever afters and something a little fresher and newer. So I got to say to you though, Dan, I mean, you said right at the beginning of this interview that as a kid, you used to love uh, sci-fi um, yeah. and, and I would have thought that was a slightly more natural evolution of your career. Than, well, you than would to do think this. so. Yeah. You? <laughs> no, it was it was mostly the tag from out of humor. I think that's really where the connection happened. It was like, okay, what has if if I'm trying to write humor and it's not selling, what's the next step for something that has a humorous voice? And I think romantic comedy uh, followed that naturally. Now there are. There's some great classics like uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which everybody knows for sci-fi, that incorporates a lot of humor. And um, and I do, I would like to write some sci-fi in the future. Uh, it's just more a matter of fitting it into the schedule. But I do have some ideas along that vein, and uh, and I'm also working on a about halfway through a thriller, so you can throw that in there as well. Wow. <laughs> yeah. For, uh, so trying to diversify. This is this, this is really good. It's really interesting. And um, in terms of sweet romance, then, if if you were to, to just try and pluck one or two films out of the air, just to give us a sense of of what you're kind of aiming for in terms of mm. look and feel, could you could you do that? I'm putting you on the spot. I know. Yeah. Well, I did mention like a lot of the old 40s and 50s movies, uh, 30s, 40s, 50s. Just by their nature, they would not allow for a lot of the. Um, the escapades and that you see in a lot of current movies. And um, I don't know, there's just uh, like Philadelphia story. I think, I think what strikes me a lot about those is that when you, when you, uh, when you put a constriction, so to speak on what you can tell in the story, it really uh, distills down in romances, the romantic part of it, and not so much just the physical part. And I think that's actually what um, really defines the characters. 
So, and you can put a lot of tension in there in other ways with the writing. I just, a lot of these older, older comedies, the situations they would get into. uh, One of my favorites is probably nobody's ever seen it is, is called, uh, I was a male war bride when it's a Cary Grant movie and he has to dress up as a, as a woman to try to get married to this other, to his fiance. It's just kind of, it's a really funny movie, but it's just kind of goofy. But um, I don't know, the situations, the dialogue, especially, um, I really enjoy studying the dialogue on those. But as far as current movies, um, boy, I can't, I can't think of a lot like, I mean, sort of Jenna, Jennifer Aniston-y kind of things, you know, the films yeah, with dogs yeah. in them and things like, you know, those kind of Jennifer. Right, and that sort right. Of thing. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be innocent, pretty innocent stuff. It's going to be, there's not going to be a lot of intense, like somebody has cancer or nothing wrong with those types of movies, but it's, um, yeah, or like, even on a, in a sense, like when Harry met Sally um, or Sleepless in Seattle, they, they concentrate more on the the romantic part and the relationship part than they do the physical, like when Harry met Sally, they don't even meet until the end of the movie. So that might be another more modern example. In terms of the story then, uh, you know, here I am, I'm writing a book at the moment and I'm looking at my three act structure uh, yeah. and making sure I got plenty of, you know, drama and tension in there within, within the, the boundaries of a, of a sweet romance then how, how, how do you do that then? Because if there aren't, you know, guns and explosions going off, I'm a little bit stuck. Well, now that you mention it, maybe I should have some more guns and explosions in there. <laughs> but I don't know if the readers would really like that. Or not. I'm just wondering I'll what they that look for. Save that for my thrill. Yeah, what yeah actually, hmm. well, you know, the the standard trope is happily ever after. Um, so by the end of the book, the two main characters will be together. There's actually, and I'm trying to sift through my notes and not finding it, but I found a great um, outline and I think it's called Romancing the Plot, and I cannot think of the author's name right now. And romance, uh, I've read a lot of structure books like a lot of authors have, and romance has, in my opinion, a really unique structure. There's, There are the different acts, there's inciting incidents, there's um, dark moments and things like that. But for romance, uh, there are some pretty unique plot structures. One of them is what's called in this book the adhesion point, where it's like the two lovers are trapped in a snowstorm in a bed and breakfast, or uh, one has to be the bodyguard of the other one. It's whatever it is, whatever plot structure forces them to be together. Because usually at the beginning of the book, they're not attracted to each other or they are but they don't say so or there's something that keeps them apart until the end of the book and at that time that's when they get together so there's that constant tension going on so um there's a definite structure to the romance stories that's a little different i think than say a thriller or action movie or or whatever it is and it took me a while to kind of pick up on that in this particular book the romancing the plot was uh, quite good at that um, there are other things like, uh, for a lot of romance writers, there's the dark moment of the soul. It's when there's the breakup near the end and they're off on their own and they're realizing what they had and how they blew it. And then that brings them up to about 90% or 95 when they have, uh, what's it called? The, uh, grand gesture where the classic scene of the guy racing to the airport, which 
I actually started to write that in my first book, and then I started reading about how everybody hates that because it's so overused, so then I killed that, but I moved it down into a subway instead. <laughs> so anyway, um, there's definite structures that are that make it easier to to outline the book, but um, romances actually, I think, are, are quite tricky to write a good romance, I think, um, because the constant uh, conflict going on, there's a, there's a really delicate balance, I think, between the two people that are involved. If you want to make it not be really predictable or, or cheesy or, you know, something that's just people are like, yeah, I've seen this a thousand times before. It's, it's kind of a challenge to write a really good one. I think it's absolutely fascinating. I think what it demonstrates is that every genre has its uh, its skill, its artifice. You have to learn the the rules of it, and, and right. you have audience expectations. And you know, I I, I don't poo poo any genre because I think you know everybody who is successful in a particular genre subgenre is an expert in their field and, and needs a good pat on the back. It's you know you're in you're in um, categories here on Amazon I've never even heard of. <laughs> uh, but you know, but I didn't yeah. even know they existed. But they're fascinating, clean and wholesome, and yeah. small town and rural. Absolutely fascinating. There's a whole so many um, areas that you can go into as a right. writer. And I think that your pivot is particularly fascinating. That you said this isn't working. I'm trying this, and it obviously is working right. very well for you. Yeah, it's working out pretty well. I'm I'm starting work on the fourth book. I'm really hoping to get. Um trying for a book 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 bub promotion hopefully in a month or so uh toying with amazon ads various other things to try to get things jump started and rolling but it like most genres it takes three to four books these are two three books that are in two series that was kind of an accident i wrote the first book and then began working on the second one and my editor says i think you need to look at doing series uh and she was right so for better or worse, I've got two different series going on. Uh, one that's a small town uh, romance series, and then another one that's set in Washington D.C. of all places. So, um, yeah, it'll take about three, three to four books before I really feel like um, it's either working or it's not working. So, but then again, in the meantime, there's the book cover business, uh, which I try to use to. I use that to finance the the writing but also just for income for the family too so the um the other thing that uh, you've pr you've learned too i think which is an interesting lesson is the value of writing in series so i can uh, actually now you've mentioned it I, i've kind of got oh, it yeah. you've got the two orangey based ones and, 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 and the blue the, the blue book as well so that that, that right. defines the series so your branding's very strong but um yeah i mean you kind of got to write in series haven't you i think and, and you've obviously uh, you've learned a lot of lessons but but you seem to learn quickly from this stuff well, I try to because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I read a fair amount um, and I try to pick up on things. Uh, it kind of goes back to when I said sometimes you can keep your writing really precious and like, no, I can't change that or or have that kind of attitude. I think when you're writing for or trying to write fiction for a living, you have to be pretty flexible. And I think you have to trust your editor in particular. I, I strongly believe in having a good editor and certainly for me doing romance, which I wasn't terribly familiar with. Uh, she's been invaluable. Uh, even going over some notes today for the fourth book coming out, she's made some suggestions where I'm like, yeah, I, I think I should do that. That's a great idea. And, um, so you can always learn, uh, certainly in your genre, 
Um, and so you just kind of have to be open to taking suggestions and trying things, but then trying to get the work done. And sometimes that's the hardest part is really pushing through that because it takes a long time to, to write whatever, 60, 70, 80,000 words. And it's, it's kind of a challenge. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. Actually, it's something that I've discovered that, um, you know, it takes a certain amount of time to write a book. There's, and, and however fast you write, it takes a certain amount of time to write a book. And so this is yeah. not this is not a fast process. You know, I'm looking at your books there. So you kind of need an extra one on the orange series and another two on the blue. And then you've got right. two series going. And, and then you're going to hit a lovely critical mass with them. And you can start right. doing interesting things with promos because you can give the first one for free and you can do a box set. But but it takes time, doesn't it, to get there? That's the, the frustrating thing sometimes. It, it is. And... Um, it's, it's, I think one of the frustrations for a lot of writers is that they hear a lot of podcasts from successful authors that are making six figures a year and that's great. And they're, they're doing well and that's, that's terrific, but it can be, it can be discouraging. I think when you don't, when you're not at that point yet, or not even at that point, that's a pretty large point. But even if you're, um, not generating a lot of income from your writing yet, that you don't have that that influx of yes I can do this or I did do this and I need to keep writing because my fans are waiting for the next book and um, the previous books did well so I know I'm good at what I do that type of positive feedback can be a challenge when it's a long process because some days you're like you're you're on it and you're writing well and other days you're like yeah why bother because, you know, I've got other things I can do. I'm going to invest an hour or two hours in writing today, and, and I may never see that that time back. So it's it's a challenge, a, a, a mental challenge, I think, for a lot of writers. And uh, But that's that's kind of part of the reward, too. And it's also part of, of uh, if you really, like for me, I really do want to try this. I, for a lot of people, it's like, I want to try it. Otherwise, I'll never know. And I do have the opportunity to do that now, and I want to give it my best shot. So, um, And I think a lot of writers feel like they're good enough, too. I think they get some positive feedback, and they're like, I can do this. Just give me enough time, and we'll get it done. So, And you write fast, too, because you've only been going since 2015, and whatever, 2017 still. You've done five yeah. humor books, and three, well, like, you've got the other, the fourth of your sweet romance is off to the editor now. So you've, you've kind of done nine I, I make in that time. Well, yeah, the fourth one is still kind of in process, but I'm hoping to have that done fairly quickly, certainly by the end of the year. Um, and then to the editor and then that, that takes its time as well. But, um, when I do write, I do tend to write fairly fast and I have gotten into dictation, which for a lot of people has worked well. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised that it's worked well for me as well. Um, I like to be efficient and I'll find myself typing sometimes and I'm like, this is just taking too long. Let's just do the dictation. And, um, I was worried initially that having to do all the open quote, stop that exclamation point, close quote, she said, period, new line, it was going to slow me down. But, um, so far it's, uh, kind of gelled pretty well. So, so the dictation has helped kind of keep things up and, uh, I just, I'm 
liking that because it allows me to get a little bit more work done uh, than I normally would because I'm trying to fit in the covers and everything else at the same time. And the more efficient you can be and the faster you can get done, obviously the more books you can put out there. And there is kind of a kind of a time crunch for a lot of people, especially with romance. They like to see things every three to four months. So a little pressure, but. Hmm. You're using Dragon, I assume, for the dictation. I am. And any quick tips about that? Because I've got it sitting on my PC. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't tamed the dragon yet. I haven't even really started yeah. with it. So um, any any quick start tips for people who are thinking of it? Let's see. The The biggest fear that I had was that I was going to lose my voice, not my not my actual voice, but my, my writing voice, uh, because either my brain wasn't going to work the same way as typing as I was going to as in speaking. So I, I don't think that's really been the case. Um, I've been using it since about April and I've, I've gone back through some old, um, words that I've done in chapters. Uh, and I'll find that the, the, the voice, my writing voice really hasn't changed a whole lot. In fact, in some ways it's almost better because you can kind of move along quicker and, uh, you're not losing your, your flow. So, I would say keep at it and don't don't worry. Uh, my biggest other biggest worry was the punctuation and everything. I was thinking, can I just go back and put the punctuation in later? It seems like a real real hassle. But try to do the punctuation, especially when you're doing dialogue. It can seem really strange with all the open quotes and close quotes and commas and all that stuff. But um, I would say stick with that and keep it in because it does – one thing I read once, which I agree with, is that it's kind of like when you're typing, you don't think about all the punctuation when you're typing. So uh, there's a point, I think, when you're in dictation that you stop to think about – you don't stop to think about all the punctuation. You kind of include it naturally and you move on. So, But I know it's different for different people and, and some just can't ha- handle it. Um, I'm – I'm glad that I, it seems to be working out pretty well for me because the uh, the efficiency and the more words is is really helpful. Brilliant, good. That's very encouraging to hear. Thank you for that. Uh, I must yeah. just ask you also with the sweet romances. I'm just interested how you um, found that new audience and unfamiliar audience when you mm. started to sell the first book. Um. A big way that I, I think it's a pretty solid audience, a big way that I uh, started to build a mailing list was doing some uh, cross-promotions. There's a couple of uh, cross-promotion sites, actually not cross-promotion, but just mailing list sites, authors, cross-promotion. I can't remember the exact address. I can get you that. Oh, it's the one I use, isn't it? Authors XP, yeah. Oh, yeah, Authors yeah. XP. Big fan. Yep, and and then uh, Ryan Z also does uh, a variety. I don't know if he does more than romances. I'm not sure. I think he might. And he does a similar service. And I've used them probably three times. There was just one that he actually both of them did in uh, September for, I think it was Sweet Romance. And sometimes it's Wholesome Romance. But I try to keep that niche. I don't do like contemporary or romantic comedy because um, I really think I need to hone in on that clean and sweet romance audience. Uh, I think if I spread too wide, I'm just not going to hit that sweet spot. And um, so I've used those two services to kind of build up the mailing lists. And then I will go from there. 
um, take them through a, an automation process and kind of an onboarding process for about four months to get them uh, with just follow-up messages and free short stories. I have a free short story for each of the books that I do, and it's uh, always with two of the characters, kind of the side characters that were in the book and kind of continues their story. So that's kind of a that's kind of a lead magnet for for mailing lists. So I'll mail that out to that list. I'm just trying to engage them and uh, weed out the ones that aren't interested. And that's built up the list pretty well. Um, so I've been able to have for the last two launches, I've been able to get about 40 or so reviews the first week. And that's been a nice jump start for that uh, for the book launch. Because I think it helps then, from then on, if you're doing advertising, the reviews are a really good uh, motivation for other people to check the book out. So, but that's that's been the pretty much where I'm at right now, trying to hone in on that and and trying to get in those categories for Amazon, like the clean and wholesome. Um, I mean, I know you can try to market your book to everybody in the universe, but it's like if you're doing sci-fi and you're space marines, you're probably going to want to just focus on people that want to read space marine stories because then you're going to rank higher in that uh, category plus you're going to get more of your more interested fans so it's kind of a similar strategy now you and i uh, met uh, as a result of me ordering uh, one of your pre-made covers and yes thank uh, you <laughs> well and well thank you and, uh, i can't you know what it's like online i can't remember for the life where i where i found you but i, I know that yeah. when i did i um i, I was um, fishing for a story one of my techniques for finding a story sometimes is to look at pre-made cover sites and yeah. uh, look at covers and it, it creates a feel and an atmosphere and it, it gets you in the zone for being creative i think it's one of my yeah yeah and, and that's exactly what i did with your cover it um, i had these kind of ideas floating around saw your cover oh yeah i suddenly get this this has got the right mood and everything for me um yeah so um i'm just interested let's just uh, delve into cover design um is is covermint is that all your business or, or is it a sort of a a, a a series of designers it's all it's all my business yep so there's there's loads there and it was the pre-made covers that i came to but what sort of services um do you offer there because it's not just pre-made covers is it Sure. Yeah. There's the pre-made covers. And then like most designers, you've got your custom cover design areas. So that's where we get a little bit more in depth with either designing just an ebook cover or full print cover, sometimes audiobook covers as well. So you can either, obviously the pre-made covers are less expensive and uh, the custom covers then is when I work with you one-on-one and we go through um the process of what genre your book's in and other covers that you like. There's a whole uh, process we go through there to find out, kind of hone in uh, on what it is that you're looking at. I'm interested in how um, pre-made covers work. I mean, presumably you you sit there and uh, just come up with loads of uh, general concepts for each genre? Sure. Yeah, actually, pre-mades, uh, for me anyway, as a designer, they're kind of fun. Uh, a lot of times I will be going through my stock photography sites looking for something else, and a particular image will kind of jump out, and I'll save it for later, uh, something that I think would be great for a cover. Uh, the pre-mades generally don't have a lot of of uh, intense work behind them. When I'm working on a custom cover, uh, it could be a combination of three, four, or five images, whereas the pre-mades are usually a couple 
Uh, they're a little more basic, but they do what they do try is to be a little generic so that obviously for somebody coming in looking for a science fiction cover uh, for space opera, if I've got a spaceship on the cover with a planet, that covers a lot of ground. Um, if you're looking at like a specific alien, that would be a little tougher to sell because that probably wouldn't fit somebody's story. So you're trying to ride the balance between kind of a generic cover for that genre, but being something that's a little more interesting. Yeah, you've got some good spaceship ones there too, because that was something I was yeah. beginning to look at. I got a, you know, you know what it's like when you write. I got these ideas floating around. Yeah. Like I want to do one on a spaceship, and I think, oh, good, that's good. You I can get a reasonably priced. Uh, <laughs> you know, Spaceships space. are fun. <laughs> yeah, well, they're nice. So, but this is how you get your um your love of sci-fi out of your system. I'm assuming because you've got uh, some lovely yeah. covers. Yeah, thanks. No, it is it is fun. The sci-fi, uh, you, you know, like most designers, they tend to kind of specialize. So. I would say sci-fi and fantasy and thrillers um, as well, mystery thrillers, action adventure. I've done a couple fun dinosaur covers, so uh, it's always interesting to see what um, what the customer is writing and kind of what they're thinking and trying to trying to meet them there. Now, you see, I find uh, pre-made covers a really great way. We we all know you've got to have a decent cover for a book, and I, I right. think we probably all wince when we see the Kindle cover creator and think, no, 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 don't, <laughs> just please don't do that. And then right. you, you kind of you've got five, and I just think uh, pre-made are great because you get great designers like yourself doing really high quality covers, but you're not paying three hundred. You know, four hundred dollars right. for them. So I just think it's a really good compromise, and often I think it's also good if you can, to a certain extent, write round the cover too, if you need to. Sure. Yeah, that's that is a great idea. I think more authors are starting to do that, where if they do find a nice pre-made. I've had some people on uh, different forums where I've posted the covers. Will say, "Boy, I'm almost about ready to buy that cover just to write a story about it," which I think is a fine idea because. Um, Aside from a good editor, I think having a good cover is is probably the two best investments for for a book. Uh, and I've also had a lot of people, I think, that have been buying pre-mades for some of their shorter stories, or maybe for some of their um, their lead magnets, something for novellas and so forth. They don't want to spend a lot of money on a custom cover for the smaller works, but they do want to have something that looks pretty decent. So that's a good a good uh, balance for them too. And, and the other thing, and of this all happened before um, I, I kind of knew you, is that you you sent me some lovely um, 3D covers as well, which I hadn't expected. Mm -hmm. And I, I see that when you do your, your custom covers, the eBooks with the print covers, and and, and print covers are a bit of a, a darn nuisance to do yourself, spine widths and things like that. I mean, you know, you need to run a mile if you don't know anything right. about design. But you know, again, your, your your custom covers, I would say, are, are a very good price, and you, you're letting us have up to ten revisions, which is a lot of hassle for you potentially. Well, it can be. Um, I mean, you want to, I think what I say in there is that we're going to work with you until we get it the way that you want it to be. And it's, it's always a balance. Uh, an, an author is a customer and you try to help them as much as possible. So communication is pretty huge. Sometimes you have to tell them that they are probably asking for something I'm not going to be able to deliver because they can be very specific on something on the cover. Um, but most of the time, we're able to come to a great, uh, a great solution. And it varies, too. I mean, we'll, we'll have, and I have some repeat customers who are great, so um, I'll get a little notice, hey, you got a new book coming out, and 
and we'll start working on a cover for them. And sometimes I can nail it on the first one. I'll send it off, cross my fingers. They'll come back and say, this is great. And other times it, it does take up to 10 revisions. And it's not like you're starting totally from scratch, but sometimes you're tweaking things or changing a face or whatever it is. And it all balances out. I mean, a cover that can take you quite a while um, as far as the time it takes. Another one will come along that doesn't take you, maybe it takes you an hour sometimes and, and you can get all the basics nailed with that. So it's, you have to be patient and it's a challenge, but you're trying to get something that is going to match what the author's story is with the genre that they're, that they're uh, writing in. And that's the, that's the ultimate goal. How much of your week that is spent working on the, I guess the day job is the covers and then the, the is, writing. Yeah. yeah. What's the sort of split? I am, I'm trying to uh, at least dedicate two hours a day to the writing. Um, but sometimes that slips away when there's uh, a rush or a deadline for a customer. Um, I've started working with uh, um, a new venture with uh, actually Sean uh, Platt and Johnny Truant uh, called Covers to Go. Or not, sorry, not covers to go, stories to go. And uh, it's a way for uh, writers to uh, find not only a cover, but an entire story package. And so it's been fun to kind of work with them. It's it's uh, to uh, be able to come up with some different covers that they will match or either match to a story or kind of create a story for kind of an outline and then work with uh, customers to develop an entire book about that. So sometimes there are like any business, uh, there are orders that come all at once. Other times it's a little lax. So I can always be doing something. So it, it does take some discipline to say, okay, I'm going to take this, this hour or this two hours and I'm going to work on the writing for right now because I got to keep that going every day to make sure that that the word count stays up. So, um, but it's all balance. Interesting that you're working with the self-publishing podcast guys. Have you got yeah. involved in their wider community? So, do you go to the um, live sessions and things like that, or are you uh, just a very keen podcast listener? Like I think most of the self-publishing world is. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows who those guys are. And it was interesting that uh, it was like one of the first self-publishing books that I picked, that I picked up was their Write, Publish, Repeat. Um, and I'm actually going to uh, a summit in about two weeks, actually, in Austin, where they're based. So I'll be able to see them in person. Um, they're very uh, progressive as, as far as um, helping out authors and just knowing what the business is and kind of pushing the boundaries uh so I am involved with uh, um, a couple of their groups. They're a stone table group, which is kind of a, a private group that uh, I think there's approximately 50 or so authors within that group. And so you get some good feedback from other authors. You can ask questions about uh, advertising or should I do a, what do you think of this pen name and whatever you want. And you'll get some really good, good feedback from them. So, I think it's helpful for authors to really kind of pick a group of other authors. There's so many of them out there. Um, sometimes it's hard to keep up, but I think it's really helpful to try not only to um, get advice, but also to give it. So if you've got a particular area that you're good in, um, 
then try to contribute. If you know about advertising, try to contribute with that. And with this particular group, actually, I think I brought up something about covers, um, which kind of led to a discussion about working with them for covers for their new their new project. So that was that was good. That was kind of fun, and I've enjoyed it. They're very good guys. Brilliant. You've got a really um, strong authorpreneur uh, business going on here, and, and we yeah. haven't, we haven't we haven't even mentioned piano because when I was <laughs> uh, when I was um, doing my research on you, I didn't uncover the fact that you were writing sweet romance, but I did find a Dan Van Os who, who's also doing piano. So. Um, <laughs> but to tell me about that you're also a, a, a pianist and, and selling stuff to do with your music as well yeah i've done music my whole life obviously yeah i think i mentioned that i had a music composition degree uh which led to working in a bakery that was a great a great segue um which isn't unusual for music for music folks um yeah, I've tried music at various times, uh, doing songwriting. It's a very difficult, um, very difficult thing to do if you're in a band. You have to play a lot. In my younger years, I was in uh, a band, but it takes a lot of energy and a lot of time. Uh, and I also tried doing um, stock music, stock, yeah, basically stock music, like stock photography. You do snippets, thirty minutes or thirty seconds in a minute of uh, different pieces of music and try to sell that. So, but it's a difficult thing. Um, like writing, it takes a long time to build something up and you have to have specific equipment, but the piano playing I've done my whole life, that's kind of my outlet. Um, and at just, at one time I thought, Hey, let's just, I've got the equipment. Let's just record some, some different piano pieces and put them on a CD and see if anybody's interested. So that was more of a, a fun thing to do for family, friends, and whoever else was interested. But you've got a lot of things going on. It's very <laughs> exciting times. I, one of the things I, I always look for with um, authors when I interview them is what I call the point of ignition. Um, mm. And often, when you're, you sometimes you, you have to thrash around a little bit to find your level and your thing and your way through. Right. It right. Feel, feels to me that you're you're in your point of ignition here. You found your genre. You, you've kind of made your network connections as well with the with the book covers and with uh, you know with the self publishing podcast guys. Does it feel that way to you now? Yeah, in some ways the certainly with the covers, I mean, I do struggle sometimes with should I just not worry about the writing? I mean, that's a long term thing. It's it takes time. Should I just concentrate on the covers? But I really do for two reasons. One is just a plain business reason, as you mentioned, that the writing is something that can be the passive income. That's something that can be contributing income for years to come through your books that you've already finished. So, um, and then the other part is just, I, I still feel like I need to uh, for whatever reason to be productive with the writing and to whether it's just to show that I can do it or show people, yeah, I am a writer and, you know, don't roll your eyes. I actually sell books and, <laughs> and, uh, um, and I'm successful at it. And I'm, and it's not just that it's that you're, you're having an impact on readers. I mean, you, you start to read reviews, um, about someone who is having a bad day and were sick and they read your book in a whole day and it made them feel better, that type of thing. And you realize you can have a positive impact, uh, with writing, whereas with your book covers or your, just your, your day to day, one job at a time projects, um, once those are done, they're done and you move on to the next one. So, um, 
Yeah, the writing, as far as the ignition point, the writing is probably still a ways away. But as I said, I'm working on more books for the romantic comedies, for the sweet romance, and then testing the waters with thrillers, uh, which is interesting. And um, and uh, you're really getting connected with uh, self-publishing podcast guys. It'll be interesting to see how this uh, summit goes in a few weeks. Um uh, just to make connections with them. And that's a, that's a big part of how people I think advance is making connections, contributing where you can. And it's really not, I mean, it's writing is supposed to be this whole loner job, but I really don't think anybody moves forward without making those connections. And that can be a challenge when you're just sitting at your computer. But, uh, um, I think it's kind of a necessity is to get out there and, and to meet people and try to help them out. We've got a lot going on. Uh, I always let people have a chance to to send listeners to respective websites. You've got quite huh. quite a lot of choice, so I'll let you do the picking if that's all right. Where where can no, people find true. out more about you? Well, if they want the sweet romance books, that's uh, djvanoss dot um, or you can look up DJ Vanoss on Amazon. And uh, I'll be going wide with those probably in a couple months. And then uh, for book cover design, it's covermint.design. And that takes you to that site. You can look at uh, the pre-mades or contact me if you're interested in a custom cover. It's been fantastic talking to you today. I'm so delighted that we find out that you write Sweet Romance because <laughs> it's just like you know, a double thrill for me. So thank you for that. And congratulations on everything you've achieved. It's a great story. Great. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.